only episode 190. Hello, Sheddies. It's lovely to see you. This, what am I doing? Um, I can't even see you, so I don't know why I said that. Uh, well, it's um, 2.46 p.m. my time on a Tuesday, and uh, I'm recording this podcast for you. Not that I ever get any fucking gratitude or respect, but that's okay. Um, generally, you know, sometimes people contact me. The general feedback I get... I mean, sometimes is people tell me I'm fucking amazing. And then that makes me feel weird and uh, insecure in a weird way because I know I'm not, it's not that good. And so I can't trust them once they, t- to be honest with you, it's one of those things uh, where, you know, Gra- you know, the Marx brothers, uh, Groucho Marx, famous Groucho Marx quote was that he would never want to belong to a, a club that would have him as a member. And that's how I feel. If you, if you enjoy my podcast, I already uh, think you must be a bit odd. Um, cause it's weird, isn't it? And, um, some of, some of the, uh, the rugby brethren have uh, mentioned, and some, by the way, some rugby brethren are sheddies. Some rugby brethren are not sheddies, but all sheddies are rugby brethren. Does that make sense? If you don't get it, you're not brethren, but you might be a sheddy. It's too complicated. Don't worry about it. All I'm trying to say is, um, some of the brethren pointed out that there are times when they'll be listening to my podcast and they suddenly have to turn the volume down or turn it off because there's people around who can hear me and I start saying absolutely fucked up shit. And it occurred to me that you might be doing that right now. You might be listening in public. That would be weird. Um, just blasting your phone on the bus or something. More likely you've got family or friends around or something. So um, now would be a great time, wouldn't it, for me just just to start screaming, the person listening to this podcast is a pedophile. The person listening to this podcast is a pedophile. Pedophile warning. And um, do you know what? If I'd wanted to, I could have slipped in a name there. Tried to catch what That'd be fucked up, wouldn't it? We don't need any more allegations of pedophilia or rape or cannibalism. Actually, cannibalism would be a nice one, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be a nice... God, I'd be fucking happy if someone was accused of cannibalism. There's got to be some cannibals out there, high-profile cannibals. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Um, if you've never listened to Rugby Ranter Banter before, my name is Eddie Stevens. I'm in a shed. I don't live in this shed. In fact, I hardly spend any time in it. But when I podcast, I'm generally in it. And it's a miserable place. Um... But I will be talking about rugby. I will be talking about England versus Japan. I'll be talking a little bit about Eddie Jones, which is fun because I haven't been able to talk about him in a while. And I might talk a little bit about South Africa. I might talk a little bit about God knows what. But it will be rugby related. So don't worry. This is just the weird bit at the beginning. Um, I don't always accuse my listeners of being pedophiles, but sometimes I do. And statistically, at least one of them is. It's Rugby Rantabanta, episode 190. Let's go. set the tone with uh, allegations of potential pedophilia amongst my listeners. Um, 
let's talk about rugby. And hopefully that never comes back as a topic. Uh, I'm not going to jump straight into England versus Japan. That would be silly. We don't want to blow our fucking wads on that. Um, First, I want to just mention that Australia lost to Fiji. What does that mean? Who bloody knows, to be honest with you, because Fiji beat England. So we said England is shit. Fiji narrowly lost to Wales, who we said were shit. So we blamed the referee. Now, Fiji beat um, Australia. Does that mean Australia is shit? Are England, Wales and Australia all shit? Or are Fiji really good? Or something else? Make it up yourself. I don't know. But I will say this. Australia are totally fucked. And um, I do enjoy that. I do. Um, Even though I listen to um, at the uh, behest. Is that a word? Um, Somebody advised me to listen to the Green and Gold uh, rugby podcast, which I've heard of but never listened to. Because I'm not interested generally in rugby outside of England. Unless England is playing a team from outside England. But you know what? I'm enjoying this World Cup so fucking much. I know, that sounds crazy. I'm enjoying just this constant rugby so much. I might start veering it. I might start listening to, um, paying more attention to uh, Australian rugby, New Zealand rugby, South African rugby. I don't bloody know. What about American rugby? I live in America. Um, but I pay no attention to it. Anyway, not the point. Let's Let's stick to the Australia versus Fiji match. Okay, so... I watched bits of that match. I can't remember why I wasn't focused on it. I think I was getting interrupted by somebody or something. But um, what's very clear with this Australian team, and it, this was backed up by the, the people on the Green and Gold podcast, um, is that Eddie Jones has gone into this World Cup with a very young squad. And I actually thought to myself, and I think I've mentioned this on the pod before, Eddie Jones was being a little bit canny in a way. Is it, it, He... He's not been in charge for long. I think he's had seven matches since he's been back at the at the helm of Australian rugby, and he's lost six from those seven. And I think the, I think the only team he's beaten is Georgia. Now, look, I have seen Australia lose matches. Well, I saw them play against the All Blacks, where they narrowly lost and probably should have won. So we know they can play well, but they still lost. That is an abysmal track record. Now. Eddie Jones was being canny by naming this young squad for the World Cup because, I think I said this before on the podcast, if I didn't, I meant to. If you compare and contrast Steve Borthwick's approach to Eddie Jones's, Steve Borthwick has very much stuck with the tried and tested. You know, he's got the likes of Ben Youngs, Elliot Daly, Johnny May, Billy Vunapola, for fuck's sake, Joe Marler, um... Manu Tuolangi, right? I, I could go on. A number of players that aren't necessarily the best players in the Premiership on form, that haven't really been playing well for a while, some of them. Uh, but they've been there and done that. And he obviously thinks that they are, that they're, the maturity within the squad and the experience they have is going to put them in a better place and allow them to progress further in the tournament than if he was to go with some younger and better players. Now, I don't agree with that personally because 
I think he's had enough time that he could have brought in the likes of Adam Radwan, Zach Mercer, um, uh, little Harry Randall running with his candle. I mean, all these players have been in and around the squad a tiny bit, but um, the, and, and there's some I haven't mentioned. This Steve Borthwick squad is very different to the one that I picked. However, I would not have wanted him to do what Eddie Jones did and threw the baby out with the bathwater, which is a horrible image, isn't it? Where, where's the bathwater being thrown? In my head, someone's it's like an olden times and it's a it's a small shallow bathtub for a baby and they throw the water out the window and they've thrown the baby out with it and it's just splattered on the concrete below and no one cares anyway um what the fuck was i saying it's my adhd getting in the way um yeah i wouldn't have done what eddie jones did and uh thrown a baby out of a window to its death i would have Found a nice balance. Stick with su- stuck with some of the experienced players. So in the case of Australia, I can't really comment too much because I haven't paid attention. But if we if we use the England England as an example, you know, yes, I would have had someone like Adam Radwan there. Yes, I definitely would have had a little Harry Randall ahead of Ben Youngs. Um, but I would certainly not get rid of fucking everyone with experience. I wouldn't have got rid of. Um, Maro Itoji and uh, even people, someone like Kyle Sinclair, who I've criticized a lot. I think his experience could be, you know, you've got to look at, you've got to look at everyone available to you and like weigh up, weigh up the pros and cons of each player. But, but what Eddie Jones has done is he has just gone youth, 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 inexperience. Now, the reason I say he's being canny is he had, what he can do is I suspect that he genuinely thinks that that squad was his best chance of progressing because if it wasn't, if that wasn't his plan, then he is a fucking moron and, or the most disrespectful piece of shit to ever coach an international rugby team because other than Razzy Erasmus, obviously, because there's a reason that world cup cycles begin after a world cup, because the world cup is the be all and end all. That's it. That's it. When it's World Cup time, I don't care if you've had one game in charge. You do not get to experiment. Okay? But Eddie Jones has picked this team. They're very young. As I said, I suspect he thinks it was his best chance of winning. But now that they haven't won, and it's looking very dodgy for him, he's saying, and I, I haven't heard him say this, but I heard them on the Australian podcast say this, and I've read that he has said that he's not too worried that it's this is the beginning of a process and that he's planning more for future um, matches like uh, when the Lions tour and the next World Cup. But that's the stupidest thing you could say as a coach. Like, I get that he's trying to like make it seem like it's not as important and it's he's trying to take the pressure off himself and maybe off his players. But the reality is, the World Cup, it's like a war. It's like you're in... You're in the middle of a war and you're saying, oh, well, we might lose this war and our, and our country will be occupied. But in a few years, we'll be in a position where we can. Uh, no, no, no. You fight. That was a terrible analogy, wasn't it? But the point is, there's no benefit to well, virtually no benefit to sending an inexperienced team to a World Cup where they where they crash out at the group stages in the hopes that they learn from it and come back better the next time, why not do what I said, pick the best team available, keep some experience there, do whatever it takes to 
get as far as you can, even if you know that you cannot make it, you cannot win the World Cup. Like I would say in the case of England, I'm 99.9% sure we cannot win the World Cup, okay? But that doesn't mean I'm okay with them just fucking around and getting knocked out in the pool stages. It's the World Cup, so let's go as far as we can. Maybe we could get lucky and make it to a semi-final. You never know. You never, you never, ever know. Okay, so Eddie Jones telling the public, the Australian public, that that's his plan is incredibly disrespectful. But then that's Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones, I was talking to some of the brethren about this on our group chat. Um, and I think he, he's a he's a he's a massive piece of shit. Like, I don't think he gets enough. Um, I don't think he has enough respect for how disrespectful he is. I don't think he gets enough shit for it. I think that he has a proven track record of, I mean, the firings alone, like it's all well and good to say, oh, well, that's his method as he comes in, he shakes things up and he, and he, um, and he has a lot of, uh, he has a lot of revolving, uh, what am I trying to say? Positions within, within his administration. But these are people like, like, in my opinion, if you're a if you if you're the boss and you're just constantly firing and hiring and firing and hiring and hiring and firing, you're not doing a good job. Like you should be able to get the right people in to begin with. I I don't mind him coming in initially. You can fire everyone when you come in if you feel like that's what you need to do. But he would just it's like every week for England, somebody was either fired or quit. And there's many examples many examples of play of players that played under him and people who have worked for with for and with him that he is not a nice guy and uh and i, and I have to say this i'm kind of looking forward to them going out the, in the pool stages so he can look you know this is the guy that fucking the likes of james haskell re- referred to as the best uh the, the best world cup coach of all time uh Best World Cup coach of all time has never won a World Cup. Okay. As a head coach. Um, and now he's he's one from seven with Australia. Anyway, that's the end of my rant on that. Um, but just to but to get back to the match, Australia lost to Fiji. Fiji beat England. Fiji beat or almost beat Wales, arguably should have beaten Wales. And you know what? It's a problem. Everyone is excited about this. I've said this before, and I'm saying it slightly tongue-in-cheek, but not really, to be honest with you. For years and years, the Polynesian nations, rugby nations, have been massively underfunded. And, you know, not that that's our fucking fault. And, um... But exploited, right? A lot of their players have been uh, poached by wealthier nations, and they've really had, um, they've really been, been swimming it against the tide when it comes to playing international rugby. There's been so many obstacles with um, being, first of all, being able to keep the players they want, get them in camp to train together enough that they are cohesive, um, and there's been some tr- traditional weaknesses as a result. Their set pieces not being good, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and everyone's been going on and on and on for years and years and years and years about how we need to help them, help them, help them, help them. Now I've been saying, do not help them. They're going to be too fucking good. Keep them down. Keep them down. Take away their funding. Fucking do everything you can. Split them up. Don't let them play together. 
Because if Fiji had the funding of any of the tier one nations and were able to train together as often and keep their players, we're all fucked. And it's probably, I mean, if Fiji, Samoa and Tonga all get that, all have a perfect environment for 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 building a, a, a the best team that they can. How are we supposed to compete against that? I, I felt like this when I was watching uh, Wales play Fiji, and I think I may have mentioned it last week. You've got instead of you know a couple of players in a team that you have to worry about, that you have to be like, okay, we need to double mark that guy because he's a fucking handful. One on one, he's going to beat you. With Fiji, it's almost every player. How are they not going to win the World Cup? I suppose it'd be it'd be interesting to see them come just just purely because of the physical specimens they are, right? They're big and fast and athletic and they're incredibly skillful. I don't know how what is your game plan against that? The the most interesting thing would be to see um a fully developed full-strength Fiji team against a full-strength South Africa side because the South African threat is slightly different. I think South Africa, I hate to say it, uh, they're on another level to everyone else because they have a uh, you know, you go through their team and it's similar threats to when you look at Fiji but just a bit more mixed. It's a bit more, you've got I said this last week, you've got insane pace insane pace probably more pace than fiji has in some areas right and then in other areas you have just huge uncompromisingly uh physical players and they're not as um graceful as the fijians but there is a um what's the word an abrasiveness and a sheer size to some south africans that as I say, it would be nice to see a matchup between the two, but I suspect Fijian uh, talents would probably win in the end, which is why we must not let them. Um, I realize what I've said sounds evil, but I am evil. Won't you do anything you can to? I want England to be the best team in the world. I'll do whatever it takes. Yes, I will steal talent. I will um, keep team nations down, take away their money. Uh, poison them if you have to. South Africa versus New Zealand, 1995. Yes. Anything you can do to get an advantage. I'm joking. I'm joking about the poisoning. And I'm joking about everything except let's just not try so hard to help the teams that will then be too good for us to beat. All right? And it's already happening, so whatever. Um, If that offended you, I was joking. If it didn't offend you, right? You know? Eh? I mean... Come on. Um, that's about it with that. There was, uh, there was some really good rugby over the, the la- over the weekend, and I can't remember most of it. Uh, fuck. Yeah, doesn't matter. But there was some good stuff. The only... Oh, I do want to say this really quickly, and, and a few people have talked about this, but isn't it... You know, I talk about um, trying to um, keep nations down and not help develop... Um, the, the, the second tier nations etc but um, that's only in the case of the ones that I think have the potential to be too good for us to beat teams like Uruguay and Chile and uh, Portugal it's different like of, yeah let's help them they're never going to be as good as us well fuck that 
Maybe they will be, but it won't be. They're not as scary, are they? Um, the only uh, non-tier one nation, the only minnow, as they used to refer to them as, um, of this World Cup that hasn't performed and hasn't looked that good is uh, probably Romania. Uh, was it Romania? Christ, my brain. Let me grab my phone and take a little old looky. Uh, who did South Africa completely annihilate? And who did New Zealand kick the shit out of? Well, you're not answering me. Tell me. Oh, you did tell me. I can't hear you because I'm in the past. The time is 3.09 p.m. My time. And my time is <laughs> very different to yours. Trust me. Okay, so got the 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 um, fixtures up here. So let's have a look. Uh, God. So it was Namibia that New Zealand thrashed 71-3. That's not good enough, right? Um, but all the other nations really, I'm trying to find, like it was, yeah, it was Romania that South Africa annihilated 76-0. Um, but for the most part, the other nations that you would never expect to do well have been really good. Like, let's see, uh, Uruguay, losing to France by 15 points. And I did watch that game and it, the, the score flattered France, in my opinion. Uh, Chile lost to Japan by 30 points. That's not good. Okay. I'm not too worried about Chile. I say Chile because that's the correct pronunciation. Sometimes I hear you lot in England say Chile. It's Chile. Um, Oh God, Ireland thrash Romania too. Oh, Namibia got beaten heavily by Italy. Forget everything I said. These teams are all really shit, aren't they? Anyway, moving on. England versus Japan. Um, very quickly, I don't know about you, but I watched this match and I was fucking appalled in real time as I watched it. It was more of the same. If there were any... Um, if you if, if if anybody thought that the game plan that England showed us against Argentina was a masterclass um, designed to win a match a man down, if it was, if anyone if anyone believed that that was a response to being a man down, um, this game proved that actually that is just the way England's going to play no matter what. Uh, kick everything even when the attack is on and there was a lot of mistakes again a lot of dropped balls um really difficult i wish i'd made notes on this i didn't i was just i was just chatting with the rugby brethren the whole time and um so i have to do this from memory uh i was really disappointed in england's inability to well first of all england's lack of creativity lack of ambition um lack of decision-making or poor, de poor decision-making um, and mostly inability to keep hold of the ball. Now I will say this, they were drenched all of them and I, it didn't look like it was raining, but I didn't think it could be that hot, but apparently it was. So all the players, and you saw it with Japan too, when they had the ball, a lot of spilled ball because the ball was slippery because of ugh, yucky body sweat. Um, so that did play a part. Nevertheless, you know, I couldn't help but think of the South Africa match where it p 
piss down on them. So, and yeah, it affected South Africa too. So they only won 76 to nil. Now, admittedly, it didn't rain for the whole match. And once it did start pissing down, that actually, that probably kept South Africa to under 100 points. Um, Romania were very, very lucky that it started pouring on them. But nevertheless, in this match, it was clear that the conditions weren't, that, 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 that it was, apparently it was so hot that everyone was sweating all over the ball and it was slippery. So there is that. But let me tell you something. Um, I got fed up watching it and around the 60, 65 minute mark, I decided to go and work out and I had it on my phone and I was sort of paying attention, but not fully. So I saw us get a few tries and the score looked good, but I still ended that match feeling very, very negative um, and very, very pessimistic about England's chances in the World Cup. But let me tell you something. Yesterday, I decided to rewatch the last half hour. Now, that last half hour on its own paints a completely different picture. Um, when you when you accept the fact, and people have a hard time accepting it, that Japan aren't shit, that the Japan are a decent side. It's a weird thing that we do. I don't know if this is just an English thing, but we'll go into a game against Japan really, really pessimistic and go, you know, we could lose this. I'll just be happy with a win. Wouldn't it be terrible if we lose to Japan? But we could. They look decent and we're shit, right? Then we go in and the game is closely fought and people start going, oh my God, we're the worst team on earth. And it's like, you predicted it. Why are you so shocked? Um, so it was a close, close fought affair with England. Um, it was only one point before the try of the tournament scored by Courtney Laws of all people. A moment of genius where Joe Marler, for the first time in his fucking life, uses his head to produce something good. That's the first time anything good has come from Joe Marler's head. And um, beautiful try. Uh, Nothing else is going to beat that. Uh, And then uh, that gave us a little bit of a a breathing room. And then this is the thing. Half an hour left, things started looking better. And I'll tell you what, Japan was looking more tired and Japan are known as a fit team. They are a very, very mobile, very, very fit, relatively lightweight team. That's one of their points of difference. They move, they move the ball around a lot. They keep things moving and they have good engines on them. Right? So for them to, to be visibly fatigued in the final, you know, 15, 25 minutes, to me indicates that the pressure England was put England was putting on them was actually significant. Um, and then they played England played some really lovely rugby. I mean, there were still some spilled balls that that come on, they have to be down to the conditions. Has to be down to the to the fucking sweat. Because play, the players from both sides were doing it. And um England looked way sharper in that last half hour. Freddie Stewart, who I'm not gonna look. I've always loved Freddie Stewart, um, but I mentioned this on a on a video on, on my YouTube channel. And if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to Rugby Rantabanter YouTube channel because I'll keep doing stuff on there. It's fun. Um, but I said on there, what happened to Freddie Stewart? Because he used to catch literally everything. It was like 
the, if the ball was in the air and you saw Freddie Stewart coming forward, you could just relax because he would just soar above everyone and just snatch it out of the sky. But the last few matches, he's been dropping more than he's caught to the point where you have no confidence in him. Um, and I think there is an issue there. Having said that, beautiful try that he scored, a perfect crossfield kick, well taken by Freddie Stewart. Um, and Freddie Stewart... In that <laughs> Freddie Stewart in that last half hour had some nice runs. Looked very he's a big, powerful runner. And he is by no means um what is he? He's only twenty what is he, twenty-one, maybe twenty-two? I'm not sure. He's really young. He hasn't hit his peak, in my opinion. Um so that was good. Uh a lot of the subs coming on made a big difference. I actually thought that Marcus Smith and Ollie Lawrence completely changed the uh, the attitude of the team, uh, especially Marcus Smith. Just every time he got the ball, fired up, excited, stepping, try even ran somebody over at one point, which is not something you would ever expect to see. But Marcus Smith, people talk about him like he's a little shit. He's got some fucking thighs on him, and there's a lot of power in them. Um, and then Ollie Lawrence... Look, Manu, Manu is still Manu. He can still do things that no one else can do. But fact of the matter is, Ollie Lawrence looked much more dangerous in attack. And Joe Marchant looked better outside of him. So there was that. Uh, Ellis Genge, rampaging constantly, looked the way I, the, Ellis Genge used to look. And I have to tell you, I much prefer Ellis Genge coming off the bench as an impact sub rather than starting. Joe Marler, other than his um, genius header that led to the try, didn't really do much, did he? Or did he? Because as, as I said, the Japanese team was fucked with, like, after about an hour, and maybe relentless pressure from the likes of Joe Marler, because he gets around, he, puts, he puts his, throws his weight around, maybe that, maybe that made a difference. It's very hard to tell from the game against Argentina and then this game against Japan, how good this England team are. I'd still err on the side of we're pretty shit, but I'm more optimistic now. Another player I thought I was actually surprised did really well was Johnny May. Uh, I have been one of his biggest shit talkers. Um, didn't think he should be there. Shouldn't be there on form. But in this game, and he hasn't had, I don't think anyone has given him enough respect. I watched him very carefully for the whole match. And he did that one stupid brainless penalty where he ran into someone after they kicked it. But other than that, he's extremely active. He works really hard. And it's and he's not just, you know, working really hard. It, he has an impact. He did a number of good carries um, using his footwork. Um, also some great defensive work, chasing kicks, tackling play. Like he was good. He was good. Elliot Daly, I was much less impressed with. Um, Elliot Daly, who I know can be good, has not impressed me this World Cup at all. Would be lovely to have seen him come off for someone like Arundel, but I guess that's not going to happen. Um, Billy Vinopola, I have to say, he shouldn't have been in the World Cup squad. I don't know why people think he's good. He used to be incredible. He used to be England's best player. He is a shadow of that player. And um, one of the rugby brethren said that they thought he was actually, he made a difference when he came on. I watched him from the moment he came on and all he did was plod around, lean on some rucks. I didn't see him do a fucking thing. And 
and I said uh, in my uh, in the rugby brethren group chat, like if you if you want a player to just run around and hit rucks, Jack Willis would be way better because he might actually steal some ball. And Jack Willis is big and powerful. I think Jack Willis is probably gonna is probably a better ball carrier nowadays than Billy Vinopola. Billy Vinopola, his only it, people are so obsessed with stats. He's really big and heavy, but he does not throw his weight around as hard as he should for someone that size. Um, anyway, really quickly because I want to wrap this up. I thought Alex Mitchell was decent, but not great. But then again, how many times he played for England? Two or three. Um, Started for England, I should say. Um, ben Youngs was all right when he came on, actually. I don't think Ben Youngs is as bad as some people say. Um, he's had some shockers in the past, and at the last World Cup, I said he should never play for England again, and I was probably right, but he's experienced, and he'll do all right. Um, I'm trying to make sure I'm not forgetting any anything that really pissed me off. Don't think so. Anyway, all I would say is after that match... Two from two is incredible for us. I am quietly confident, shh, don't tell anyone, that we will beat Samoa. Um, we'll definitely beat Chile. Um, and we're going to top the group, the pool. You know? Um, and then quarterfinals, if we are playing any of Australia, Wales, or Fiji, we've got a good chance. So... Don't get me wrong, I could see us playing any of those teams and actually losing badly. Um, but there's a good chance we're going to make it to the fucking semifinals now, which is hilarious. Anyway, I'm going to end this now. Follow me on Twitter, at Eddie Stevens, with an extra S at the end. Follow me on uh, Instagram, at Eddie Stevens Massive. Follow me on TikTok, at Eddie Stevens Zero. Follow me on YouTube. Oh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Rugby Ranta Banter. Um, I have another YouTube channel that you could also subscribe to if you want to, Eddie Stevens Training, but that's kind of pointless, but do it anyway. Um, and uh, fuck, I've said I'm terrible at ending these uh, podcasts, okay? And I'll leave it at that. Bye. <laughs>